Yeah, I'm down here in the uh, godforsaken land of Phoenix, Gerald. So norm- normally Russ and I are in the same room. You're, are you in Phoenix, Arizona right now? That's the one. Is that where you live? <laughs> Indeed not. They've tried. <laughs> Gerald, they've tried. Oh, you're in a hotel. Okay, I yeah. see. Right, okay. He flies yeah. out for the QAnon rallies. <laughs> I mean, they're still waiting on the drops down here, man. Stay strong, man. Stay cool. strong. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, it's, it's, Clark. it's been a good weather, oh but I God. think it's going to pick up. Why are you in Phoenix? Uh, what are you doing there? Later today. We're going to get in the mid-90s. Wow. Which, again, I'm, ba- I'm bad with the, the Celsius uh, translation there. but uh, Well, 90s is really hot. Yeah. There we go. So you're like, it's it would be like... 30, it would be like over 30 degrees for sure. I see, sometimes I do have to look up the translation. And for a while, I'm out of practice right now, but I was pretty good uh, because I'm a big watcher of uh, the Great British Bake Off. And, you know, when they're talking about, oh, it's 30 degrees in the tent today, I'm like, how hot is it in the tent? Is it going (laughs) to melt that frosting? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I I was trying, yeah, you know, conversion charts, man. You know, right. I got to be fully invested in the show. <laughs> you, <should be. laughs> you know, there's no need to, to you know, give them a buttercream frosting challenge when it's 100 degrees in that tent. That's fair not enough. fair. Man, all right. so, what's Phoenix like? Actually, I heard it's good. Is it all right? Phoenix, Arizona? Who told you it's good, Gerald? Because well, they're I, lying to you. They're lying? Okay. I just thought it might be all right because, I don't know, Arizona seems like a nice place. Nice and warm. At least it's warm. Here's the thing. I think this may be the most, uh, the hottest real estate market in the country. Like, oh, wow. so many people are moving here. And I think it's, you know, we got a mass exodus out of California and the pricing and everything. And yeah, naturally, the pricing has gone up here a bit. But, um, you know, people like the dry air. And I just yeah. don't, it's just weird down here for me because there is no, like, there's no identity with phoenix it's just a collection of suburbs oh shit yeah with like no central culture yeah i got it no art not like san francisco which is just right yeah this is just a village of nomads (laughs) which is kind (laughs) of cool i don't know you know we went out there for work and uh randy i think you know what i'm gonna talk about but there was like the gnome bookstore and there was like a uh there was a weird little street that was, it looked like a suburb had been completely abandoned yeah. and they were running illegal businesses out of them, but they also were like storefronts. So like they're making ice cream out of like a family home. There were two bookstores. I remember we went into one and they were doing a uh, poetry related to Pokemon and uh, right. sexual encounters in the back. I forgot about that till right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, what the fuck? There is cool shit out here. And then I, uh, checked up on it like a year later and all those places were gone huh yeah so i don't know what happened but i don't know it looked like a bombed out city well i i'm in the you guys are like portland i've never made it up there it's good you guys russ have you been to portland no and i've had a bunch of people reach out and be like dude there's a coffee shop out there that has tabletop games and it's a mixture and you go and i'm like it's almost like too on the nose for me. And I'm like, well, fuck Portland. Like, I'd rather be kind of unhappy down here in a lesser version. Because, I mean, they stole all of our culture. All the, also, all the poor people went up there. Isn't That's a bad business move to have tabletop games at a business where you're trying to turn tables over. 
Well, next week we'll have John Taffer on and we can yeah. ask him. <laughs> on, say it. From a business perspective, this is not know. this is I, not a good business move. I think he he wants people to hang out longer. And if you have a drink industry, I think it would be beneficial to have people hanging out for eight hours a day just constantly drinking your cold brew. But see, that's the thing. You gotta check up on that. Nah, man. You gotta turn those tables, baby. <laughs> turn those tabletops. That's a good name of that restaurant. Anyway, Gerald, uh, we didn't just trick you out here so we could hang out with you. Uh, We actually brought you on because there's been a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre out, and we needed your opinion (laughs) on it. Oh, absolutely. Did you watch it? I'd love to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Love to talk about the movie. I've been trolling the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, like Facebook accounts. Oh, shit. Writing (laughs) stupid shit on there like all the time about how it's a masterpiece. (laughs) Like, I can't remember. Oh, I wish I could find that. I wish I could find the comments. I wrote some real doozies on there. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote some really stupid, like stupid comments on there. I was like, I never had a father growing up, but if I did, I wish he was that leather face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really stupid stuff. But, um, okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. The movie obviously is pretty stupid, <laughs> but Okay, let's look at the whole series. Let's look at this entire series. You got the first one, which is a masterpiece, I think. I think the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the greatest Texas, like one of the greatest um, horror films of all time. I honestly think that. Hard to dispute that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a fun movie. It's not the kind of movie that you watch. It doesn't have like a lot of rewatch value for me because it's kind of a downer, Mm -hmm. but it's a great film and it's incredibly realistic well acted um not makes me think of home (laughs) there you go (laughs) it does make me think of it a little bit i mean i grew up on a farm but um i thought it was a great movie the second movie uh, again by toe pooper awesome i love that film super funny kind of like tonally messy but just a great movie so much fun right you got chop top um leatherface is more comical dennis Uh, hopper's going crazy yeah Oh yeah, chopping a he's chopping like a, a tree with a chainsaw. I love that movie. I have the I have one of the special editions, the Blu-ray here from like Scream Factory. I love that movie. I have the steel book of Texas Chainsaw. Leatherface, the third one, didn't really like it. A very forgettable movie. Then you had the fourth one, which is just bizarre, right? Yeah. Again, pretty like Now Russ, that's your favorite one, right? It's one of my favorite. The Matthew McConaughey, you know, it's kind of the first time I remember, uh, like the Illuminati appearing in the zeitgeist in like horror films yeah. and, uh, Matthew McConaughey just going nuts. I don't know that, you know, that was in the era where I had a illegal black box where I could watch like, you know, pay-per-view channels and that would play all day. So I just have memories of watching that over and over and over. That's, that's, it's, it's hilarious, right? Like yeah. Matthew McConaughey makes that right. So after that, what was there? What was the next one that came out after the fourth one? They did this other one, this terrible Texas Chainsaw 3D. That was awful. Oh, yeah. Pretty much watchable. That was was after the Jessica Biel one, right? Yeah. That was a a great movie, though. The Jessica Biel one. Yeah. Those those two movies, uh, the 2002 or 2003 one with Jessica Biel, and then you had the the beginning, the, the prequel. Those were great movies, like with Arlie Ermey. Like those were awesome films, right? But yeah. then you come along with these this terrible Texas Chainsaw 3D. Then you had this Leatherface ridiculous prequel, 
where you had this like skinny dude at the end who becomes Leatherface. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was so stupid. Yeah. Those are horrible movies. This this was at least entertaining. This latest movie was actually entertaining. The gore was off the charts. It was really dumb, but like Leatherface was pretty scary. At least they made Leatherface pretty scary. The Sally Hardesty character, that was basically just like a ripoff of what they did with Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. They basically just stole that and they did it again. And her character was just forgettable. Sally Hardesty was never a really great character. No. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Yeah. I. It's funny. I'm, I'm reading uh, the Final Girl Support Group right now. And that book kind of takes, like, the, the idea behind that story is that uh, in that reality, all of the franchise films that are slasher movies, they're all based on real murders. So all of the final girls are real people who kind of deal with um, our popular culture, like idolizing the villain. So they live in a world where people cheer on Leatherface, but like, you know, uh, that was a real girl he was trying to kill and all her friends really died. And uh, the Texas Chainsaw Girl, like they change all their names, which makes it pretty confusing. Mm -hmm. But I I believe she she marries a uh, rich Republican and is in a mansion and becomes like an eco conservative who's like trying to raise money for it. And she's interesting in that book. But the whole time I was reading it, I'm like, wow, you you really had like nothing in the movie. Like the best thing she did was become broken by the end. And, you know, I think that's what you were talking about earlier, where it's like, man, it's kind of a bummer movie because she gets away, but you're not cheering for her. But in this one, she looks really cool. (laughs) She looks badass. Yeah, she looks cool. She does a good job. The actress is good. And, you know, we've we've gotten a shit before because (laughs) one episode we recorded, Gerald, me and Clark were talking about a Texas Chainsaw film, but we were talking past each other. Like, we completely mixed a movie like i think clark knew i was off because i was i was naming a scene that wasn't in the film he just watched i just powered through (laughs) okay now just just for clarity i have all the titles in front of me look at how similar this shit is it's so it's texas chainsaw massacre texas chainsaw massacre 2 leatherface the the texas chainsaw massacre 3 texas chainsaw massacre next generation then when we get into 2003 it's texas chainsaw massacre again Uh then it's texas chainsaw massacre the beginning then, which is a movie we we skipped. Then it's Texas Chainsaw 3D. Right, terrible. Then it's Leatherface, which was the movie I was that the one you were talking about. That's the one I saw, and I thought you were talking about 3D, which I is have, the one I have not seen. 3D, 3D, yeah, 3D. I think was the last one to have Gunnar Hansen in it. If I remember correctly, he had like a cameo in the beginning. He had a cameo, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I confabulated that movie with the one you watched. Then there was, yeah, then it's back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The only thing they dropped was the, but now we're in requel territory, which Gerald, uh, you're, you're totally right. Like there are a whole new set of tropes, which um, thankfully Scream 5 made fun of. They really tackled the requel. Have you seen it? Not yet. No, I want to. Oh, dude, watch it because they totally come after like uh, Bloomhouse pretty much. With the, the whole Halloween requel shit, which has kind of, you know, become the lay of the land now. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, dude, uh, me and Clark had a blast watching this new Texas Chainsaw. Totally. It That's was so much fun. It's totally fun. I mean, it's, it's got problems. Like the lead actress, the one that, you know, well, can I say a spoiler? Is that cool? 
Yeah, I mean, have, clearly you don't listen to this show. <laughs> Everyone's seen it. They've seen the movie, though. But she gets her head cut off at the end. That you know, I called the, that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's pulled out of the car and saws her head off. I don't know. She wasn't. Did you did you what did you think of her acting? It seemed a little weak. Let me put it this way, Gerald. I was I was I I think I stood up and clapped when her head was cut off. Right. Because I had waited 80 minutes for that. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, so she would stop talking. Dude, has anyone made a meme about like Elon trying to buy Twitter and like use that? Or some performative, like, girl getting her head cut off as a Tesla, like, keeps her prisoner. Dude, Randy, get get on that. We're going viral. <laughs> but, dude, like, you could not have a better ending than that. That was a great ending. You, I mean, just five stars. It that was, was so good. Just a, It was just, like, a highly entertaining movie. That's the thing. Like, the whole movie was just super entertaining. It was really gory. It didn't take itself very seriously. No. The cancel culture thing wasn't too heavy. Like, there's a little bit of that, I think, going on there. But the what kills. Kills were super brutal, man. Yeah. That's what you want. Well, it was also, well shot. Dude, yeah. very much. They were mm-hmm. kind of scratching that itch uh, with the, you know, um, Jason Takes Manhattan, where you just want to watch. Like, if we're That's fully aware point. now that we're cheering for the slasher, yeah. let's watch him just murder a bunch of people. On and a that, bus. Dude, that party bus, they already kind of like if you want to really jam pack that, but yeah. Dude, if you like if you just want to jam pack that all the tropes of like what a shitty teenager does in the slasher and you know, uh weekly becomes justification to have them murdered, that hey, they were all in there on that party bus. I yep. dude, I loved it. And actually I kind of want to rewatch it now. You should. The, the only thing about the party bus, it was kind of stupid. Was it? Did you notice when he was killing her? I've seen the movie twice. When he's killing everybody, he's just no one fights back. No, no one, no one attempts. Nobody attempts to tackle him. Like no one does anything. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're, they're pacifists from Austin. Oh, <laughs> sorry, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> I stand correct. <laughs> That's Dude. probably what the screenwriter said. hundred percent. The they're like they're pacifists. Well, okay. Well, we're very privileged in this moment to have a test subject. Randy, if Leatherface jumped on your party bus and was murdering your friend, (laughs) what would you do? Try to uh, run, but if I can't run, I would just give up. (laughs) Just use use your nonviolent crisis intervention skills. I mean, I I know that I have like no, no, no fight in this, you know, (laughs) he's going to take me. So it's like, what am I going to do? Randy, you got some rage in there, brother. What? He's got. And I like grab Leatherface's nuts and like try to like <laughs> get him that way, you know, take him down or like poke the eyeballs. Dude. That, no, yeah. he's a eunuch, dude. Did you see the way? Okay. That would not work because did you see the way he grabbed that one guy's arm, that first kill, and just bent it? Oh, it yeah. Just, yeah. And snapped it. it. It just was like completely impossible it just like went against everything about physics that made no sense but well it was a perfect way to set the tone for the film (laughs) he broke the guy's arm off like an icicle yeah it was hilarious and then he and he stabbed him to death with his own arm bone that was a great (laughs) that was a a badass kill man that was like a jason kill Well, that was uh, truly that was our real introduction into the movie, because as you said, like, you know, this thing is 
paper thin in terms of plot line and the characters, you hate all of them. (laughs) And, you know, when that happens, the most impressive thing about the movie is that they cut no corners here, man. They cut no corners. Everything looks really good. And, uh, yeah, it was just fun. And it was produced by Fetty Alvarez, the same guy Mm -hmm. that, uh, well, directed one of my favorite movies, the Texas, or sorry, the Evil Dead remake, which is one of my favorite remakes and one of my favorite movies. Like, I I am a huge Evil Dead fan, and I love that remake. So, and he directed it. At least he produced this. I don't know. I'm not sure who directed it. Yeah, we we had one of uh, Fetty's homies on the show, Maximiliano. And uh, when the movie came out, I actually, I was hitting him up and I'm like, dude, I have to know how is Fitty taking all of this fucking coverage because everybody online was ripping it. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, dude, he just turned off his notifications. (laughs) He just doesn't read it. And I was like, well, please let him know that everybody on this show, we had a fucking blast with the movie. We're just, and you know, I think we represent a group of people that don't jump on Twitter and like say it. But I'm like, dude, just let him know. Like we were cheering. We we jumped up and cheered. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I thought that movie was a win. I've definitely been arguing with other podcasts about it though. Well, and the thing is with, with movies now, <clears throat> it just seems like, you know, no one's happy. Like you if you go on like if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you look at reviews for films, you know, so many movies, like take for example House of Gucci. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. And you know what? You go on there and and it gets 60% on Rotten Tomatoes or 59 or whatever. What do you need to do to entertain people these days? <laughs> Seriously, wow. like that was an entertaining movie. It was well done. It was Ridley Scott. And just movies in general, just people just shit all over them. It just takes I had a, to please people. I had a ball watching that but i was on 10 milligrams of edible marijuana <laughs> of, of what of edible marijuana so oh that God. may that may have <laughs> affected well gerald you've also veered into a lane that we discovered and uh we we've shown a lot of movies and we've introed stuff that you know audiences maybe didn't quite enjoy the way that they were expecting and there's been times where me and clark we would exit a theater after people were clapping and cheering through a movie, but it's at a film fest. So we get the, the honor of looking at what they actually rated and they'll walk out one, one star one. And we're like, what are you doing? And they're like, Oh, it was terrible. And I'm like, are you, you lying? You were crying in the theater because you were laughing so hard. And I'm like, what is this weird? I mean, we, we know horror movies, people can punch down on them and there's no threat there. Yeah. But it's also like at the end of the day, I think it's just like the way social media fucks with us because you watch a movie at home alone and you have an opportunity for like a hot take. Like if you go out there and you're just like, hey, I enjoyed this film. Nobody's going to give a fuck. So I think people polarize like right away. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's why we need to watch movies together. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like honestly, giving a movie 10 out of 10. You really need to think about that. Like 10 out of 10, like that's like saying really. So there was nothing wrong with the movie. So like it was just a perfect movie. There's got to be something that you could deduct points from, right? Sure. Some movies are 10 out of 10. Maybe the shine. There are some movies like that or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But giving a movie one star, one out of 10. Let's really think about that, right? One star. 
there's got to be something there that you liked, right? There's got to yeah. be something. There was some effort in there. You're not going to just give it one star. I don't know. It's just. So former third chair on this show, uh, Justin Coote, um, who, Jared, I think you may have met at the festival. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, bought, yeah. Ju- I believe I bought a howling poster from Justin. That's the one. Justin was psyched about that. He texted. He was like, dude, Gerald's the coolest. Yeah. And guess what? I got it. I got the frame and I'm going to pick up the frame for it right after this podcast. And I'm getting it framed. Holy shit. All right. Can I ask a very personal question now as a uh, as a fan of paper art Uh and as a dude who used to spend my tax return framing paper art? Wow. How much? How much did it cost? Uh, hold on. No, there's a better way to set it up. So it was a full size poster, right? So we're talking 27 by 40 inch. We're this big. Did you go glass? Did you go glass or do you have like, uh, the plastic? I went glass. Okay. So So it's and it's going to be heavy. Um, and it was, we went to Opus, got it done at Opus here and it was actually reasonable. It was $140. For the for the frame and everything, one forty, and I bought it from Justin for forty American, which was amazing. Holy shit! Now, hundred bucks. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. I I used to work at Aaron Brothers, which has uh, now become defunct. They're kind of like a high end framing store, and easily after a seventy percent discount, mm-hmm. you would still run into uh, over seven hundred dollars to frame. I 827 know. by 40. Huh? What are you talking about? Dude, easily yeah. $1,500 yeah. to frame a poster. What kind, a- of, what kind of Ponzi scheme is going on here? Well, here, here's the thing. So one, um, they're always going to try and move you into a custom frame. And yep. if you buy a, a poster from like the 70s, they weren't exactly cut 2740. They actually had a little bit of information on the bottom. So if you don't want to damage it, you got to go custom and you're already through the roof there. Then if you go glass, it's not just glass. You're doing UV. It's Mr. Glass. Yeah, it's Mr. Glass. No, I mean, uh, you do UV protectant museum glass, which is non-glare. And if you're a social media guy, you want to take pictures. That was an option. Yep. And then you got to mat it because if your art is up against the glass, it's almost it like becomes like uh like concrete not concrete it's like plaster like if you remove it 10 years later it might be stuck to the glass and you'll destroy the art so easy minimum multiple hundreds of dollars like 400 i would have been like wow great deal the fact that he did all that under two it almost makes me want to make an argument for framing everything in canada well (laughs) i'm not joking it's it's basic like it's a basic frame but i mean it looks really it looks looks like it'll be pretty good no, and here, like, no shame, Gerald, uh, for movie art. Yeah. You, you kind of want a basic frame. You don't want the frame stealing the the vibe exactly. from the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a thin, like, a pretty thin frame, and it's, uh, like, thin ed- uh, bevel or whatever edge. Dude. And, uh, uh, really nice. That's that's incredible, and I'm so sorry for that tangent, but I have okay. a... T- I can't believe it's yeah. that expensive. Holy shit. Yeah, but to just close the book on on what Justin was saying, why I brought him up, because he had a rule um, where if he and it was a one to five rating, and he <laughs> said, "If you made a movie, I give you a star. I give right? you one star because you made." He said, "So I can't rate anything below a one because you made a movie, and if that's the only thing that I liked about it is that you did something I can't do, you get one star. You get one star. Yeah." Now. Gerald, I have a very uh, simple 
yet complicated to the plebs I do the show with. Uh, rating system. I go completely emotional. So a five star for me, a lot of the time, is an imperfect film. Buckle okay. up for this bullshit, Jared. No, this no, no. So, <laughs> so it's all emotional. I honestly think the worst rating, now this is where I lose everybody, is a three star. And the oh. problem with the three star is it's completely uh, forgettable. And I think the worst thing you can do is like be boring and make no impact. When I'm looking at art, I would kind of like to feel something. And if it's World War Z, that's a one star. And I will never forget that movie. And if you bring it up in conversation, I get angry. And that's, you know, I'm like, oh, man, fuck that film. But I also realized that, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. It's mm-hmm. apathy. So my, my thing's all weird. But like, like Videodrome is my favorite example. I feel like that's a technically great film with an interesting plot and everything's just working for it. And if you're really paying attention at the end of the movie, you're like, wait, this doesn't work. Like the, the theory in the film, just it doesn't pan out. And I'm like, you could ding it for that, or you could watch it three or four times trying to figure it out. And I'm like, I think that's like a five star for me because I keep coming back to it or I think about it all the time. Like a Lynch movie or something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. At least 20 times to understand it. Dude, beauty's in the imperfection. Mm. And your rating system is done. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's consistent, I think I can get a good way with it. Five stars. Very flawed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, five out of five. Dude, make well, sense. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do. Uh, I love shot on video and like regional film. So like boarding house, like that's a movie that would make Clark hurt. To, do you remember it, Clark? I saw it. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if you blocked it out. Like it was like PTSD or something. But like that film to me is like four. I love that movie. I remember having a great time, especially because we saw it in theater and like, you know, we're dying every time that text came up and was audibly painful. Well, they shot it on video and then they transferred it to 35. Yeah. It looked like dog shit. I I believe during the intro, they said it's the only film (laughs) in in history that was like a no budget horror movie that got like an upgrade like that. Wow. Yeah. It's probably the reason why it hasn't happened since, too. What's the name of it? Uh, Boarding House. I believe uh, Vinegar Syndrome just put out a a beautiful release of it, too. Was it Vinegar Syndrome? I'm pretty sure. I I I I thought it was Cauldron. Uh, No, it's not Cauldron. Okay. Yeah, and I only remember because the slipcover is that thick cardboard, that beautiful stuff that only like uh, Vinegar Syndrome and now kind of Severn is doing. Yeah. uh, 28 Days Later, that was shot on... uh, that was shot on video. That was actually one of those old Canon. Do you remember those big ca- uh, camcorders Canon had? The Canon XL1. Remember those big ass video cameras that were out and big. Pro oh hell yeah! Screen? It was like a oh, 480p yeah. camera, and that's what they actually shot that on. That was shot in 480p, and then it was like transferred to 35. And on the big screen, that looked shitty too. It kind of oh. worked for the movie, <laughs> but it. I, looked I haven't watched it in a long video. time. Great movie. Uh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I haven't seen 28 Days Later in forever, but I think a couple years ago, probably 2019, I saw 28 Weeks Later in a Great. theater. Really good. Yeah. And that, that was opening a trip. Scene? Oh, yeah. When he leaves his wife behind, the opening scene, remember that? Oh, yeah. No, and it looked beautiful. I, I believe the uh, context of that screening, it was a Terror Tuesday, and our uh, programmer at the time, Mike Keegan, out here at the Alamo, 
was literally counter-programming it because in Austin they were showing 28 days. And he's yeah. like, no, nah, weeks is better. We're showing that. It is better. Well, the chopper scene was like chopping off the Oh, heads. dude. The oh. chopper scene was literally the only thing I remembered. Right? <laughs> yeah, going into it, I'm like, dude, yeah, it, it rules. Well, for, count, for counter-programming, he should have shown eight and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> or nine and a half weeks. What is nine. it? Nine and a half weeks. Thank you so much. Eight, uh, and, eight <laughs> or eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, we need Fellini in there. Now, Gerald, you mentioned the helicopter scene. I can't help but think that was the inspiration for your drone kill in the first movie you made now. Shit, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> now you, you know. know. The word is out. Dude, <laughs> honestly, it maybe it was. I mean, I don't know if I meant it to be, but yeah, probably. Subconsciously, so. it's in there. Subconsciously, yeah. Could have been. I- Dude, I love that fucking drone kill. I think when when we were making the uh, catalog for that year, I believe I pulled a frame from that and used uh-huh. it in there. Right? Am I tripping? I know. I think I did. You did. Yeah, I think Dude. it was in there. It was totally in there. It was in the in the in the the what do you call it? The program. Yeah. 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 In our program booklet. So, yeah. Gerald, man, we we're so excited to talk to you because um, I'm excited to talk to you guys, man. You guys rule. You know. You, you came back this year and I, I can't, I don't think I can express properly how exciting it was to get another feature film from you when you submitted to Up five and uh, instantly we, our chat, our group chat blew up and we're like, holy shit, Gerald's got another movie. He's back, baby. Yeah. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, I don't even think we needed to watch it and we would have just been like, Hey, if he's coming out, let's just show it so we can hang out with him. And, uh, you know, it was a uh, double bonus when your movie just fucking, it, it just rocks, dude. You, you did it. I, I, I was really relieved at the screening, how it went over. Cause you know, you just don't know, right? Yeah. There's just no way of knowing what are people going to think of it? You know, you watch it with your cast, uh, you know, you show a couple friends and of course your friends are going to say they like it, whether they, you know, like it or not. Yeah. So you just don't know. You just don't know. So I was just relieved that the jokes went over, really. That people liked, they were laughing, right? Because I mean, that's yeah. essentially a comedy. So I was like, oh, good. They're laughing. That's that's all that matters to me. You know? Um, Gerald, dude, uh, the improvement from your first film to this one, it's fucking incredible. And, uh, you know, just for people listening who, who didn't make it out, you had maybe one of the roughest spots in the whole festival, which was Sunday night. And, um, you know, as programmers coming out of like fucking COVID, we were already like, everybody was like, who, who's going to turn up. And especially in the Bay area, like people aren't jumping for joy really to even take off their masks out here yet. Yeah. So we're like, well, we hope we have a turnout and we really wanted to close with you because the closing movie is always like, uh, impactful for us as programmers. And we closed with you last time when we had you. And it just felt right. Uh-huh. So uh, I got dubbed a reverse bouncer this year for uh, pressuring people to stay. And I remember I was pushing my hardest with yours. Although, actually, I, don't, I think I was kind of shocked. Like Everybody was kind of hanging out. They're like, I want to watch Alien Report and My Inner Demon. Sweet. And I'm like, dude, fucking thank you. And I'll tell you, we've, we've seen the audience scores. People liked it, man. Because they are not... Uh, Amenity will make people very vile when they want to be. And right. there was none of that. 
and also you, okay. you know 16 yeah. hours of movies will also make them Fuck. very honest yeah no kidding right yeah no kidding that is a long time to be sitting there if you stay for the whole day like that is well, i didn't do that this this time I, I watched quite a few films but yeah so the, the first uh <clears throat> unnamed footage festival i think i watched almost all the movies oh, i might have like took a little break here and there to go and eat and might have missed a couple but yeah it's a long time to be sitting there oh yeah highly entertaining movies they're really really interesting movies for sure well they're really demanding too like yeah. you know with the spielberg film you get to kind of just like lay back and forget about life but a lot of the uh found footage narratives they really are confronting like even in your new film there's a lot of reality in it so yes. it's kind of like an anti-escape when you want to think about it that way. Or like, I don't know, you have to be an active participant with these films. And uh, dude, after two days of them, it, you start to burn out. And yeah. I think, you know, the fact that you had a lot of humor in your story really helped us as programmers because it kind of, you got to inject these people with some life again. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm glad you found it funny. I mean... The whole thing was pretty much improvised. I mean, we had like a story, but more or less, it was just me goofing around in the woods and acting goofy for most of it. So, well, okay, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was just gonna say, and it, you know, you and Darren, man, have great chemistry together, oh. and that's why you know when I was uh, when we did the Q and A at the festival, that's why I kind of asked him, like, how long have you guys known each other? And you were like, well, pretty much met him, you know, when we filmed the first movie, and that was just yeah. incredible to me that you know because you guys just have really good natural chemistry together. That it just seems like you know that that was part of the faux documentary part of like a real relationship dramatized, but you know, man, it was just seamless. He's a funny guy. Like he is. He's 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 naturally a funny dude, right? And he's just he's a he's a really good actor as you can see in the movie, right? With the Shakespeare and just with everything he was doing. And he's just he's a great improviser too, right? He just says yes to stuff and he'll just do it, right? Which just makes someone like that really easy to work with. So, yeah, he was on board for the whole thing and uh yeah, he was super cool to work with. He had a lot of good ideas for the movie too. Like, you know, he kind of co-wrote it. He came up with a lot. He, well, I guess he, he is one of the co-writers. He came up with a lot of ideas for the film. Mm -hmm. um, that whole section with the car where he gives me the car. Yeah. Right. That whole section that was all his, like that was all his idea for that. And that worked out pretty good. I don't know. Like that got some pretty good laughs. So yeah. yeah that was a good part. He was, yeah. Yeah. He was great. I love that scene with him in the, uh, in the garage when I find him in the, in the garage. Right? Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, hi Jerry. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's just so awkward and weird. Right. Like man, his character just comes off like so strange, you know, and it's just exactly what the movie needed. It's well, really, a, I guess it's a buddy movie kind of, right. Kind of like just a, Oh, totally. hundred percent. Well, here's the thing. How much of that was like a character he was playing versus like him being him. Well, he's not a strange guy. Uh, he's a, he's a very down to earth person. And of course in the movie, he's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I mean, his like, personality, like his, the way he talks and everything and like, you know, his mannerisms and everything, I guess that's, that's Darren, but, uh, yeah, he's not like a dysfunctional guy or anything. Like he's not a drunk, like in that, in that movie. He's no, no. I, I was asking because I think part of the reason why your movie worked so mo so well is just it felt authentic 
like a lot of it just felt like you on camera and him being him and you kind of turning that into something that's just entertaining to watch. Like it's, yeah. a thing, you know, I try to articulate, it's almost like American movie. You, have oh, you seen I, that? American movie. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I have. It's the um, documentary about a couple of dudes trying to make a low budget horror film. And yeah. it's not like a groundbreaking subject matter. And it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's nothing super highbrow, but these two dudes are just incredible to watch. They're just real people. It's unfiltered. And I, that's really a thing that I think a lot of found footage filmmakers struggle with tapping into. Right. And, you know, even comparing it to your first film, uh, one of the things uh, that I didn't like about that one was it felt like you were navigating how to get exposition into the film. Totally. And we, we had the wraparound with the, the like kind of cop procedural. Mm -hmm. And in this one, you've taken a vlogger role. And, yeah. you know, Leslie Manning, she directed Ghostwatch. She talked about trying to figure out how to get your story out in a um, authentic way. And she's like, you know, the thing is, when you have journalists on location, they literally tell you what they're doing. Like, it's yeah. not like you have to hide the exposition. <clears throat> they're in the camera yeah. and they're just like, we're here doing this. And it felt like you had figured that out. Well, I mean, I, I got I to gotta be honest. I mean, I take a lot of inspiration from the movie Creep, right? Oh, yeah. The thing about Creep, what I love about it, more than all other found footage films is that it's so character focused. Mm -hmm. The movie's just focused basically for the most part on a singular character, more or less focused on the Mark Duplass character, right? I mean, there's, there's chemistry between the two characters, but he's kind of the central focus and it just makes it real simple, right? Just makes the movie really simple. We're just focusing on these characters, right? We're just telling the story through these characters. And I don't know for found footage, that I think that really kind of speaks to me, right? Just just making it as simple as possible, very streamlined. And in this movie, of course, it was kind of just more or less focused on two characters. And then, of course, we had some external characters too. We had like Jimmy, we had the witch, right? To, yeah. to help move the story along, which were really interesting characters as well. But I, I just like to keep it, just kind of keep it simple and edgy, make it kind of edgy. You know, Darren's <laughs> character was kind of edgy, right? Kind of a edgy sort of make you uncomfortable type of character right for sure possession into there and um <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> i just thought it was really well done like in terms of like creep was a really well done film right creep 2 had a great dynamic to it and obviously this is a lot different because you have sort of a possession aspect to it but um the other thing i thought when making this was um nigel's films uh, Nigel Bach. Bad is, Ben? Is Bad Ben movies. I've only seen the first Bad Ben. Okay. <laughs> I've only seen that one. Yeah. But um, you know what? I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty simple. He did a, it was a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple uh, movie, right? Pretty straightforward. I think he shot it with his iPhone. Yep. And he added in that, you know, he had that paranormal element in there. And just from a marketing perspective, I kind of thought, hmm, that's kind of cool. You know, like people in the found footage community seem to kind of more geared towards the, the paranormal side of things as, a, as opposed to the serial killer uh, story. It, it sure. seems like that to me, like looking at the forums, people are more into that. So I thought, well, you know, if we could kind of take the simplicity of creep 
kind of the simple way of storytelling and then just kind of put kind of a paranormal angle into it. That was just sort of like the inspiration when I, d- I did this. Well, there's something I mean, interesting there. Nothing like it, I guess. So yeah. when, when we're talking paranormal versus um, serial killer, yeah. uh, I've been reading a lot of literature on like people trying to like figure out what the different interaction with like found footage or in-world camera is. Right. And one of the things they talk about is uh, giving your audience agency, which is something in other movies you don't really have. Like one of my favorite things about Creep 2 Oh, I, I, I know Paul just I say this all the time on the show is remember when he's standing up there like uh, naked. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's, he's, it's a power play and he's like, I'm up here naked and, and I'm not scared of the camera mm-hmm. and he does it to her. And she's like, well, I can do that too. Now the thing that oh, you could only do in found footage is when she gets like topless, the camera moves away. Yeah. And it shows that like, he actually is like lesser behind the camera. Like there's, there's, there's a thing being articulated only through film language. Hmm. And yeah. And it's interesting. And when we watch creep, the audience, we become a voyeur. Like we're watching shit that we probably shouldn't be. But when we're watching paranormal shit, I feel like we're not a voyeur. We're like a PI. Right. So it's it's almost like we're kind of like a good guy in a way. Right, like, right. hey, I'm here, I'm helping out, and I'm combing over your footage. I'm looking for the, the, you know, the speck or, like, the dust particle flying in front of the lens. Dude, if you like Bad Ben, you got to watch uh, our highbrow Bad Ben, um, the Blackwell Ghost. Have you dug into that at all? No. Oh, dude. Gerald. Good. Is it well done? Really well done? Ah. <sighs> it's, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Short answer, yes. Um, but... It takes a different direction once we get to three. Okay. And I think we hit a new level when we hit three. Uh, one is my least favorite, um, but it's still very good. But it's a good introduction. All of these movies are, Russ, they're all about an hour. Yeah. They're all so like an hour long. Can, and there's five of them currently. You can knock them out in a day. And that's kind of how I did it. I just went on a little Blackwell Ghost marathon, and I love it. Now, it is Bad Ben behind a paywall, which I think now that Bad Ben teamed up with Breaking Glass, he might be behind one, too. Can um, When do you guys check and see if Blackwell Ghost is available on Amazon for like yeah. for free? It, it's a, no, you have to rent, you have to the rent them all. One. I think the first one's for rent, and then you got to pay the rest. I can rent so, so they give you they give you they give you a little taste for free, yeah. To try you, to hook you, dude. Um, the direction you went in my inner demon, I feel like you're in between the bad band and uh, the Blackwell Ghost, and nice. I mean that as far as like authenticity, like Blackwell Ghost. I'm not sure, but I don't think the director's done any interviews um, because he's kind of maintaining what a lot of YouTubers do. Where mm-hmm. if they have like a paranormal show and they're opening up uh, like Divic boxes or like yeah. uh, dark web boxes, right. they don't want to literally tell you it's fake. Right. He's committing to the bit. Yeah. We're committing oh, to it. Okay. We're like Nigel, you know, he's doing more of kind of a character thing and he's having a lot of fun. I yeah. mean, Nigel's got fucking 10 movies <laughs> under his belt. He made a cartoon pilot on Amazon Prime. He had a streaming service where he put uh, UFC uh, MMA fights on it. Yeah. I saw that. Wrestling matches and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So 
I don't know. I think it's it's really interesting. You you kind of um you transform the audience in your in your new film. And you know, comparing it to Creep, the beautiful thing about Creep is it's kind of a magic trick. Like we've only got two characters in that movie and it's it's titled Creep. So simple, right? So yeah. And you're like, well, this guy's bad, right? And the whole movie is just this tug of war with the audience where it's like, maybe he's not bad. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're maybe it's the camera. Nope, nope. And the whole time you're like, I'm pretty sure Mark Duplass is a maniac. Yeah. And it's just it's kind of a it's a magic trick. By the end of it, you hopefully you just didn't see where we were going. And uh you've kind of tapped into that too. Because oh. well, because your your stand-up character. Yeah. That dude, you hooked us with that at what was that a three? When we two. had it was two. And uh, I just remember being like, whoa, this Gerald dude's a character. Like we gotta we gotta like look into this. And Clark was like smitten with your movie. So it's like, all right, let's do it. And then when you came back this time, I don't know, man, I feel like your film's just like elevated beyond a character study. Like there's a lot of you really in this movie. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's weird because I honestly, and even today I haven't put a lot of thought into the movie. I mean, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) You know, I was really focused on getting it done. Right. Yeah. Uh, just after Murder Box, it was uh Murder Box was just uh I mean, I just wasn't it was so hard to make. I spent so much time on it and editing it and trying to put it together and then we had that kind of wrap around. We had we brought Darren into that. Mm-hmm. We had him like explaining it, right? Because it didn't really flow or make sense before, so we had to we added that. Uh we ended up adding a a scene at the end that wasn't even in the festival. There's an end scene. I think there's a, uh, a scene at, at the, after the credits an after credits scene, it was just so much work and it was just, it just felt like such a heady experience. Like I was just me and, and Jimmy, the guy that I made it with, with Jimmy Gannon, we just spent so much time, you know, trying to piece this movie together and put so much thought into it. And so this time, <clears throat> yeah, honestly, I just wanted to have fun. I was like, Let's just make a movie. Let's make it simple. Um, let's just tell a story. It doesn't have to be too complicated. Let's make it funny. And let's have it make sense, but let's not over-explain, you know? And by not over... And when I, when I say not over-explaining it, I mean not even just... Not even really thinking too much about it. You don't really... In my inner demon, you don't... They don't really explain how Gerald Geraldson comes out of him, right? How my inner demon, my monster, my creation, you know, how it really happens. I mean, he plays with a Ouija board and next thing you know, he's being hunted by his own inner demon, right? We don't do a lot of of explaining and it's kind of left unknown to the audience. And I think that's good. Um, I I think it kind of makes it a little scarier uh, for, for the audience as well. One movie I really like is um, It Follows, I guess. You, yeah, you sure. Follows. They don't explain anything. Nothing's explained. It's all mm-hmm. left to your imagination. It's just like, okay, this, this thing is following you, right? And we don't know what it is. We don't really understand it. We don't really know. And it just makes it so much more interesting. One thing that kind of bothers me in movies is when they, <clears throat> when they over-explain this stuff. I take too much time, like you were saying earlier, Russell, uh, with the exposition. Okay, yeah. now we need to slow the movie down. We need to have a scene that fully explains 
what happened here? And there, sure, in, in Minor Demon, there's some explanation, right? And there, obviously, there, there's a reason that it happens, but it's a little ambiguous, right? And I think that makes it a little more interesting, right? Gets the audience thinking. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, it's interesting because when we're watching a, um, I don't know if I want to call it a faux doc, but like kind of a vlogger uh, protagonist. Yeah. You can do interesting shit. Like there's so many, so many elements of documentary and found footage. And one of them is like a privilege moment. And if a character has something that's going to transform them, play out on screen. And then, you know, you have the ability to turn to the camera and give exposition. That's a lie. Like, say, like, you you walk in on your girlfriend cheating, and then you close the door, and you walk away, and you ignore it. Like, you've just expressed something to your audience that they'll pick up, and it's like, now you're doing the complete opposite of exposition, or you're kind of leaning into it. So there's so many, like, hard-to-articulate things that can happen when you have, like, that vlogger style. And go ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, man, it was so interesting. And that, where did you film that? Was that by your house? Uh, oh, the stuff in the woods and stuff. Yeah, um, it's outside of Vancouver. It's this place called Maple Ridge, and we shot a lot of it out in Maple Ridge, like where we saw that bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really happened. That was actually <laughs> that thing was big, man. It sounds terrifying. You can't really see it on the camera, like how big it is, but it was big, man. When that th- thing started running through the woods, when it left the rip river yeah you just hear the footsteps man holy shit right we did not stick around for long (laughs) good call was that was that your first time seeing a bear in the wild yeah like no well no actually i had another experience with a bear uh where it was like when i was working in film uh on a set where i ran into a bear not on a set but like in the i guess in the parking lot area ran into a bear that was oh the revenant (laughs) <laughs> pretty much it was not that but it was it was pretty freaky man it wasn't a cgi bear it was a real bear um but this in this one in the woods was a lot scarier and i believe that was the second time we shot in that wood in the woods the first time was at night where we did the scene with the uh, axe where darren starts scaring me with the axe that was like the first scene we shot we ended up reshooting that so there was three times we were in the woods there in maple ridge and then after seeing the bear, I didn't film in that wood in those woods again. <laughs> we went and filmed in a park, uh, this place called Green Timbers Park in Surrey. You don't have to worry about bears. And uh, it's the same place where we shot, uh, where we shot a lot of uh, murder box, the clown scene and stuff. We we did it in there, so that was pretty good. And I, I like I like filming in the woods. It's fun, you know. Well, look at that! Look at that privilege moment. You caught your first bear encounter on camera. Yeah. I'm glad I mean, we got it on camera. That was cool. It, it's funny because, you know, we're kind of talking about like found footage horror franchises with Bad Band and Blackwell Ghost. But hearing, like, kind of thinking about Murder Box and My Inner Demon, I feel like you're on a reverse trajectory of Stephen Cognetti, who did Hell House. And I don't know if you remember, Clark, we talked to him, God, years ago. Oh, he's awesome. Dude, and Hell House LLC is incredible, right? Oh, I love that movie. And then he made part two. And it's not incredible, apparently. No. And I think, you know, what you did with Murder Box was you kind of, uh, you came to it, you're like, I'm going to make a movie, and you have locations, and you got actors, yeah. and, and it's all this craft. And then, you know, 
you came with minor demon and you're like, well, I didn't really think about it. We just made it. Yep. And all that's all like, it's you, it's authentic. And a quarter of the budget. (laughs) Really? So what did you spend that all on your head? Not all the head was already made. I had that from before. Oh yeah. Um, That didn't really cost anything. Um, it was all just basically, I guess, just equipment, the equipment I bought, the camera, some of the lights and just like sound gadgets and gas and food, like feeding people and stuff. And it was super shoestring budget. And then like, I guess I had to pay for some sound effects that are added in there, like Soundstripe. And yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was low budget. I don't know how much it cost. I didn't really, <laughs> how much. See, I think it was thousands of dollars. I mean, it's it's not cheap to make any movie. You're going to be spending money. Um, We needed like, you know, more hard drive space, had to buy like a new hard drive for my computer, things like that. There were, there were definitely expenses. I mean, it was, it was definitely more than $5,000, I guess. I I don't know. Didn't really keep track of it, but I know that with murder box, it cost a fortune to make. It it cost so much money. And I'll never make that back. So. <laughs> well, you know, I don't mean to laugh because that is kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, here, so, you know, I, here, one of the critiques I got um, from a couple of people from uh, My Inner Demon yeah. was that it's kind of built upon Murderbox in a way where that that might hope the audience knows what Murderbox is. Now, right. one of the people who told me that was... Uh, Ilan Sheedy, he's the dude that did all the art for a fest. And he's one of the most thoughtful kind of like, he really immerses himself in the movies. Like if you ever look at the art that he does for Blu-ray covers, he always talks about like, he has to watch a movie a few times and kind of really wants to like portray the vibe of the film. And a lot of the time he'll push back on the people who are hiring him and be like, I I think you're misbranding it. But he came to me and he was like, you know, I didn't even know murder box was a movie. And then he told me how he went back and found it and watched it. Mm. And I'm like, you know, he was kind of articulating this as a bad thing, but I'm like, dude, you've literally done what all found footage movies want. It's like, now there's almost like an ARG element. And there's like, wait, there's more of this. And he went back and watched it and engaged with it. So that's good, right? Yeah. No, I'm like, that nails it. And that's how you make your money back. (laughs) Gerald. Honestly, I'm not going to lie that, that, that was kind of the thought it's, you know, I would like people to go back and watch the other film. That would be great. It's not really about making money, but it would be great if more people watched it. Right. Um, I mean, we did spend a lot of time working on it and some people really liked it. And I think, you know, even though it's not a perfect movie, uh, there's, there's stuff to appreciate there. And I'm hoping people will go back and check it out. If you like Gerald, Gerald, Geraldson, you'll probably dig murder box. You get to see a lot of them. Right. So he, how no, can you not, how can you not love triple G right <laughs> now? It's Great funny. Cause you said you only, you only watched the first bad band. And yeah, the first one. now the thing about that movie is, uh, again, I know people have heard this a bunch, but he lost all of his cast and it was like, fuck it. I'm making the movie anyway. And it's only him. And yeah. we, we talked to, to Nigel, I think when he only had one movie out, Part two was a script. I think he was going to make some like military movie. Oh, oh! Look, to be clear, we were outside of Nigel Bach. Everyone in this room outside of Randy because he didn't like to participate in cool things. <laughs> we were the first people on the planet 
to view Stillman Ville Road. He sent it to us first. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, it awesome. was, well, the thing is, it's and it it's was kind terrible. Of, yeah, here's the thing. I heard, I heard the second one. It's the second one you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and people didn't like it. And he wasn't really in it, right? There was other people in it. That was the problem. Exactly. That's the and problem. Yeah. Th- that's why I think it's incredible that you kind of, you figured it out. And what we liked about Murderbox was you. And what we liked about Bad Ben was Nigel Block. And in yeah. part two, he's like, well, I died. So I'm going to hire some people and we're going to we're gonna make a real movie. Now I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, Nigel, you didn't listen to anything I told you. Because in that first podcast, I'm like, dude, we like you. You're fucking, you're a character, dude. And we want to watch you. So yeah. people love watching this guy. He's like a middle-aged guy, you know, walking around, <laughs> basically vlogging, I guess. Like, uh, Swearing talking. at ghosts. Yeah, dude, it's incredible. <laughs> he's hilarious. He's super entertaining. He's so charismatic. And, and yeah. And you know now he's he's made uh, what Bad Ben Benign Nine is the uh, last film he's made. He's already working on another. How is it? How are those? I haven't seen them. I kind of want to see some of them. Go ahead. Seven. Do yeah. seven. Seven is the best of the franchise, and then I think Nine is right there. Benign nice. is great. Pandemic is mostly fan service. Yeah. Um, and not that interesting. Um, Mandela. Mandela is also very good. Batter nice. Ben is also very good. That's Bad Ben four. Batter Ben? No, Batter Ben is three. Three. Batter Ben is free, three. <laughs> and then we've got um, the Texas Chainsaw franchise was hard to follow. No, here's my favorite. Bad Ben four is the final chapter. It's not. <laughs> and then there's the Crescent Moon Clown. Crescent Moon Clown, I think, is five. I'm intrigued um, by that one. That just sounds weird. <laughs> I believe it's a, him and his roommate. Uh, deal with the clown seven is great seven he's playing a um, rideshare driver um, driving around a bunch of draculas and yeah so check this out all the movies take place in his real home except for seven where he uh for some reason he's lost his home and now he's trying tent he lives in a tent which is a light spoiler but he drives around on a rideshare and every so it's halloween night and everybody he picks up is getting a ride to his old house. I'm like, hell of a premise right there. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. I just ruined a, a joke. That's yeah, I mean. I, yeah. I mean, you can't really spoil that film. It's it's really about just watching it. I but feel Gerald, like you, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I I, I feel like earlier you talked about uh, how you were kind of trolling the Texas Chainsaw like Facebook yeah. fans, right? I feel like if you threw on the makeup and just started TikToking like that, and you were just some weirdo like commentating on horror films, that would go over great. It's so like I would totally. Oh, I mean, please don't do TikTok. I don't want to download the app. But if you were doing it on Instagram or something, YouTube, I would totally tune in. My buddy, who's uh, he does like Evil Dead the musical and stuff. He like oh, one of those shows, and I used to used to tour with him, and and he's a real huge horror fan and we're really good friends. He, he lives in uh, Bellingham. He's always been telling me like, you know, and he, he really got me onto like Joe, uh, Bo, what's his name? Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, sure. And his stuff. But he, he really tells me, he's been telling me for a long time. He's like, you should do a show. And I've been, I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I'll do it or not, but um, a show where you show like uh, old horror movies, like on YouTube and you host it kind of like Elvira. Yeah. Oh, dude. Or host. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. 
Jared would be the best horror host. Dude, that'd be yeah. incredible. That's a perfect medium for that character. It would be, you know? Perfect. And it'd, be, it'd be a fun little pastime thing to do on the side, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know who would be a huge fan of that is our former yeah. third chair, Justin Koo, oh, who he loves like horror host. And he, there's, we actually have a community out here in the Bay Area who kind of, uh, they're like the old guys who are really into Godzilla movies. <laughs> and they just fucking, they're like historians when it comes to like regional horror hosts. And it's, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've been waiting for somebody to kind of tap into that. Joe Bob, like, the problem is Joe Bob's a real dude and yeah. he's, he's got a cowboy hat on. So instantly there's an audience that's like, oh, fuck that guy. Like yeah. he's Texas, like fuck it. Like everything's too political now. But if you're oh, like, oh, fuck this guy's a Republican, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? So like, I don't know if we had a, a character character, I would totally, I think it would go over great. And you're Canadian. So everybody loves them. Well, I mean, yeah. Trudeau's kind of put a little not truckers. I, yeah. yeah, lately they're not big fans of Trudeau. Yeah, lately. But I don't know. Uh, it would be. I think it might be good. I don't know. I mean, it might be worth trying. And I guess there's these these old movies you can get that are just uh, public domain. Right? Yep. That's oh yeah. What he was saying is you use these public domain films, and that way you have the right to show them. Night of the Living Dead's public domain. It is, and you can actually mm. make money off this stuff by doing it too. And it could be entertaining, but I don't know. It takes. I, what about getting subscribers like YouTube? It's tough to get subscribers. How do you? you kind of oh, need Gerald, that's um, next week's episode. I know. <laughs> Actually, Oksana, if you want to jump in here, <laughs> she's been listening to podcasts about trying to figure out algorithms for different social media platforms. It it sounds like she's been hired for another job. Yeah, she uh, she does not touch on youtube at all though oh the girl that you've been they're big proponents of a uh, linkedin on that podcast which oh, i refused <laughs> i refused to like get involved in that's what we do we get gerald gerald geraldson to do a horror show on linkedin exclusively <laughs> <laughs> at the end of every episode you could update your resume that might work you know that, that, <laughs> that's a niche it's a real niche audience there god well Fuck, Gerald. I just want to see you do more. And, you know, when we were uh, across the street at Hockey Haven on um, yeah. Sunday night, I was kind of shocked at how many people came up and they're like, hey, man, I got Gerald's contact. I got a script idea for him. How oh, many yeah. people were bugging you about that? Well, as one director in particular has, was t has been talking to me about that. So, Okay, good. Don't, don't ruin nothing. I just, I loved it. They're like, man, I, I got an idea for him. And there, I believe I know who you're talking about. And he just, yeah. he, he told me about this thing for like 15 to 20 minutes. And I honestly, yeah, I was contact. loving it. So we'll see. We might be able to do that. I mean, he's this, the particular the guy you're talking about, he's really interested, I guess, in me acting in this project, like a future film. So, so where are you at? Where am I at with that? Yeah. Like, do you want to keep doing stuff? Or I, I almost oh, yeah. get the vibe that you're kind of like over film now. No, not a chance. Okay. One sec here. <clears throat> I think I'm just getting a, a, a getting a bit of a cold or something here. Um, That's how it starts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, absolutely not. I want to go full force with film. Absolutely, I well, have no intentions of slowing down. Um, I've invested quite heavily in in uh, gear recently, in uh, much better. Uh, gear than I used for my last couple films. 
and I'd like to keep keep rolling with it. Um, I'm just kind of like I'm looking at a project right now that I want to do, and it's something that I think I'd want to maybe kickstart because it's going to be a little bit uh, higher end, I guess. It's a it's kind of a bigger project. Ooh, um, probably on the scope of something like Terrifier, like that that sort of budget and that type of violence. You know that that sort of camp. Yeah, is okay. what I'm looking at. I'll just tell you. You know what? It's it's the idea is sort of like a uh, <clears throat> a ninja warrior oh, fuck yeah. serial killer. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Ninja Three: The Domination? Yeah, yeah. So sort of that kind of thing, sort of like a paranormal ninja psycho killer movie, and uh, all the weapons are sort of like oversized, like. <laughs> And the, the ninja dude is like really big. So kind of the opposite of what you expect, like the, you know, the small, slender, agile guys, kind of yeah. like a bigger, bulkier version. Love of it. Jared, are I, you playing the ninja? I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I do. I do take martial arts, but I don't know if I'll be at that. Whoa. At hold on. What kind I of martial do, art are you training? MMA a little bit. Yeah. Are you doing oh, mixed? Man. Are you doing like BJJ or? Uh, it's just, it's mixed martial arts. It's mostly at this point, it's mostly like kickboxing. Wait, cool. B, BJJ, uh, Russell, that's one too many J's. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. I haven't gotten into any grappling it. I don't know if I would play it or not. Um, I, I would definitely act in it. I definitely would be in the movie for sure. Maybe I could be like a detective or. Well, Joe, take it easy with that. Cause you have beautiful ears. All right. And there's no room for cauliflower on your <laughs> produce aisle. Okay. Oh, that's a great idea. Cauliflower ears would be really great if the ninja had like huge cauliflower ears and maybe like his ears. You're welcome. (laughs) But the the idea is like really oversized. Just picture like really oversized weapons. So like his sword is like really oversized. It's like the size of like a machete or maybe he uses a machete instead of a ninja sword or his like throwing stars are like the size of hubcaps. Like they're just love it. That's the idea, right? And maybe he's all burnt. I was thinking maybe like, you know, half the mask is like burnt off his face is all burnt like freddy krueger on the one side and his ninja mask is like burnt off and that sort of thing and just kind of like really fun like super gory really fun movie we can have some elements in there of found footage i think would be cool because i obviously love found footage so it'd be awesome to have some of those elements in there but um more of a traditional kind of movie that's that's been spinning around in my head for a while uh, and I'm I'm working on that right now. So I want to do that. I want to do something big, something a little bigger. I think I like found footage too, but just that's kind of my next thing. Hey, I mean, you can stay alive in our genre with shorts if you need to. We sure. definitely need more from you. But if we'll you, give you, I'll give you more, if you, if dude, if you're feeling a roided out ninja who brutally massacres people <laughs> and is juxtaposed against like uh, triple G comedy. Hey, I'm complete. I would hate to discourage that. So yeah. I'm in. You guys will be on board. You'll it'll be good. Well, also, if you do a damn <laughs> Kickstarter, you got to let us know. I will. Oh, yeah. You guys can help with that, I guess. I oh, got housekeeping. What? Push. Leave your camera on. You oh, god damn it! You guys helped with the Kickstarter recently for somebody. Yeah, we do, uh, well, we try to all the time, and mostly I. It's a weird position to be in because we're kind of like panhandling to our audience. So mostly we kind of lightly push and then we all just donate. Like I think uh, the last one for Chicken Surprise, we all bought like the $70 pack or whatever. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to do, I'll probably end up doing another, uh, one of these movies too. One of these found footage films. I could see it happening again. You know, and the thing is, if it takes too long to make this ninja movie, if it's like, you know, cause it's going to, it's going to take a while to raise the money and to develop it, do the artwork, you know, and fully, fully develop that movie. Yeah. It'll take a while. I mean, who knows in between, we might have another my inner demon movie that could happen. too. <laughs> it's not, my, they're not that hard to make. They're not that my outer demon. My outer demon. <laughs> my, outer demon. <laughs> my outer demon. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's actually really funny. My outer demon. Gerald, we should be co-writers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I like that's it. I'm saying. I probably would call it that, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. Gerald. Like, thought I put into this. I'm like, yeah. Now, <laughs> now, I don't want to discourage the ninja movie, but Clark is impossible to work with. Get off this road. Swerve the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's the title for the ninja movie. I'm He's really long. real long and hard on this. Uh, Maniac Ninja. Love it. That's it. Now, Maniac, oh, Maniac Ninja. That movie is oh, okay. That title is so straightforward and seems to work. I'm going to Google it for you. It might exist already. I, I'm like, that, that has to be. Is it a uh, thing? There's something on YouTube, but let me see. According to Randy, that's not real film. <laughs> this is true. YouTube movies? Yeah. I don't see a Maniac Ninja movie. Good. I see no. Ninja Mania <laughs> from 1987. Ninja Mania. <laughs> what we about watched, Enter the Ninja last night? We watched that last night. Oh, hell yeah. On a tear. That was pretty funny. Well, I tell you what, I may, I, I've got nothing to do here in Phoenix. I may just rewatch all the Texas Chainsaws today. Let's talk about it. I gotta watch 3D. See how bad it is. Oh, you know (laughs) that movie. At the time, I had this. I was dating this girl, and I was talking to her about that movie for like weeks. I was like, "It's coming out." I'm so excited. Like, I'm like, (laughs) "That's like Star Wars." We're gonna love that shit. I get so excited when there's a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out. and she didn't understand. <laughs> it's like, this guy's weird. But then I took her to it. I'm like, let's go. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. And then we go and watch it. It was so boring, Clark. <laughs> it is so bored, man. It is so lame. It's like 65-year-old Leatherface. I guess the same with this latest one. He's supposed to be old, too. But he's awesome. In this one. Yeah, the no, new one. One. He's awesome. Yeah. But in this one, it's just, it's such a dumb movie. It's like the opening scene is kind of cool. They've got, they, is, is it that one? Is that the <laughs> one? There's so many of them. Is that the one Chainsaw 3D where they open, uh, they go back in time where they kill the Sawyers? It starts with them killing the Sawyer family. Is that it? Or is that Leatherface? I forget. I don't. I mean, me and Clark talked past each other about him. <laughs> one of these movies. We, we have to go to our in-house uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre expert, Randy Stat. Randy. I'm trying to look it up right now. I've only seen <laughs> one, two, and the newest one. This would be Texas Chainsaw 3D. I forget how it opens. I thought it was the one where they kill the Sawyers, but uh, it might not be. Uh, there's either that movie or Leatherface, whichever... No, I think it was that one. I think it was 3D where they do that. That was kind of a cool opening, if that is, in fact, the correct movie. But after that, it's supposed to be 40 years later. And they take this niece. There's this niece who picks up uh, 40 years later. And she's like 
20 years old. She should be like 40 years old. <laughs> she should be in her 40s. It makes no sense. It's just a glaring error in like, you know, in logic. It's such a stupid film. So boring. All right. Now, now yeah. after combing fucking uh, IMDb, this is the one where they kill him. This is the one where Gunner was in the beginning. And I think Bill Mosley's in it too. And That's the they, one. Yep. And this is actually the one that I liked because it kind of fell into that 80s. Like, this movie doesn't really work. But they have uh, Leatherface killing a bunch of people at a carnival at the end. Also, yeah. this movie didn't read like Texas to me. I kept imagining they were in like New Orleans. Like right. it's very, it's sweaty and like they're, they're kind of like in a, a swampy looking mansion. Yep. Yeah. Well, so is, did Joel Schumacher direct it? <laughs> well, oh, this one, God. it has the terrible line. So there's, there's a connection. Uh, I don't know. God, I'm so paranoid about spoiling shit now because we get so much flack for it all the time. But in this one, it turns out somebody's related to Leatherface, and uh, yep. she yells out, "Get him, cuz!" Oh yeah, do you cuz or whatever? Oh. Man, and I just remember the the blade of cringe thrusted deep into my heart and turned. It, it I was writhing in my seat. But um, that's how we should intro the show. Get <laughs> the blade of cringe thrusted so far. Welcome to the Overlook Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the maniac ninja could wield that blade. Oh, possibly. No, I, I don't know, Gerald. I, if you are in a uh, Foot Clan outfit and uh, you, the mask <laughs> comes off and it's not Gerald, Gerald, Geraldson, I think you're going to run into a bad Ben problem. People are going to be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Oh, oh, wait. Well, have have GGG be the head of the yakuza. Oh, that'd be all right. That's the move. <laughs> or what if GGG's the outer demon? to the maniac ninja and you kind of do one of those like uh, American werewolf in London where you're like a ghostly figure giving terrible advice. Oh, that's very good. Just keeps appearing. That's Dude, very good. I, I've, I've had this idea where there's like this ripped guy in a gym and he tries a new drug, like somebody in the locker room's like, Hey dude, we got something new. And I remember fentanyl. like, yeah, fentanyl. <laughs> He's fentanyl. OD's end of movie. No, uh, <laughs> When, when Barry Bonds was out here, uh, th th there was the thing they were calling clear, which was it, he was injecting in his butt. And I always thought about like, what if there's a guy who's kind of ripped, like, but he, he wasn't like superhuman looking like he wanted. And a dude sold him on something, but it, it like broke him kind of like the stuff or like street trash. Like it's, you've abused this thing and now you're turning into a monster. Dude, it'd be perfect if it like worked really well, but it's just. Now you're schizophrenic and your voice is Gerald, Gerald, Geraldson. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to cut all this because it's going to be gold. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, this, this is our uh, Kevin Smith Tusk moment. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, man, I talk about a movie I love and hate. Love that movie. Yeah, I just, God. I love, he nails the horror. The comedy suffers for me on that end, dude. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, like a funny. It's a bummer kind of a. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Johnny Depp, he should have like pulled on that leash a little bit because he gets too fucking cute later on in that movie, and all the like real uh, traumatic work they were doing in the beginning just kind of like flutters away. Yeah, his character in that, I don't know about that. He was like like a French Canadian guy. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't really know if his character was really necessary. 
Well, well he yeah, was like, he was like he was like Jacques Tati if he was missing a chromosome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can't think anytime anybody mentions a brown recluse, I think of that fucking movie now. Nobody brown. else? Okay, I guess I'm the only one that walked away with that. <laughs> oh, it's it's the Bitsy Smile. Yeah. Oh, Thank you so much. Fucking, good job. <laughs> Such a bummer of a film, man. Oh, I'm going to watch that today, too. I got a busy day today. <laughs> it, was, it was entertaining, though. It was definitely entertaining. It was scary. Like that, Whoever the, the lead actor is, the bad guy. Justin Long. Oh, he's Michael Parks. Guy. Michael Parks. That guy. Man, he was great in that. R.I.P. He was good. And what was the cult movie that... Um, oh, Red State. Red State. I thought that was pretty terrifying as well. I've never watched it. It's that was all right. It's it's half and half for me. Again, kind of like Tusk, but um, I don't know. I love I love the ending of Tusk, but yeah. All right, now, but now before we let you go, I have Any, to bring up anything's better than yoga hosers. All right, continue. I I, I totally agree, and um, yeah. I mean, another one. the The daughters there, they just got to do whatever they wanted, and I remember uh. Madeline, um, RIP, one of the uh, programmers for Unnamed Footage Festival, she loved the film. And I was like, how? How did you love this movie? And she's like, well, I have daddy issues. And that movie's all about a director just letting her daughter do whatever she wanted. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a good argument. Uh, Clark hated it because of terrible impersonations, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, I, I got no, I got no beef with Ralph Garman. Okay, I thought it's you were just, like I, no, I, no. It's it's not the impersonations. It's just the uh, presentation. Yeah, of how that was done. I was like the platform. I was like, God, this is lazy and tired. <laughs> what was the movie called again? Yoga hosers. Yoga hosers. Come on, you're a Canadian horror guy. He was going to do the Canadian trilogy. The new one was supposed to be uh, Moose, Moose Jaws. Yeah. Oh yeah, that kind of sounded cool. I kind of yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's why he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you know, I uncool movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gerald. I know we're eating up your day here, but before you go, I have to. Did you watch X? Yep, I did. Now, as a Texas Chainsaw fan, how do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it definitely uh, had that vibe to it for sure. Um, I. I I forget what's the filmmaker's name. Ty West. Ty West. Ty West. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did a great job. I, I have not seen House of the Devil. I want to see that next. So I, I really liked it. I thought it was it was really good. Um, really well acted. Really well shot. Uh, the story was really cool. But I'm not a huge fan of watching old people fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was my girlfriend. When we were <laughs> Oh, was she That's mad? She Please tell me she, she was literally upset. was like that. She's like, I, old people just shouldn't fuck on camera. That's, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Oh man, I, damn it! I thought she was going to be more mad. Uh, again, my I favorite the porn stuff. No, neither neither did I. I mean, whatever. That's fine. yeah. But just the uh, like, I guess you know, it was just weird. It's it's really weird. I mean, I liked it. It was a good movie. Did you guys like it? Yeah, I did. Clark yeah. did not. Who didn't like it? I didn't like it. You didn't like it. Okay. Well, I liked it, but I didn't love it because I don't know, like the old villains 
I don't know. They're just, you know, they're just not, they're not the most formidable opponents. Right? <laughs> I mean, well, I kind of looked at it like, you know what? I could just kick their ass if they came after me. Well, I, just, I did. I did like that little <laughs> bit of a, uh, the, uh, the old man did turn out to be a Marine who had the uh, ability to act like a slasher and move uh, completely silently through the woods. That's but true. I think a the, the hurdle that I think both me and Clark got hung up on was how monster-fied they tried to make the old people. Because clearly we got a theme here of like youth and vitality and like kind of just being dumb. And yeah. then like wisdom, but like also like just having all the trauma of life catch up with you while your body's breaking down. Right. And they, instead of actually having like old people, they just, you know, dolled them up and made them kind of like, they were kind of like creature feature monsters almost. And yeah. I, they were weird looking. Yeah. I don't the know. Makeup, the makeup was good, but it was also like, yeah, it's makeup. I'm like, these look like young people wearing makeup. What do you think? No. Was it? Well, was it, like it is. Like, I think. Yeah. Well, certainly one, and then I the the gentleman actor is far less uh, younger than his portrayed <laughs> character. He is younger, yeah, way younger, right? I think he's probably fifty yeah. sixties. Right, probably. And yeah, and his girl. face doesn't look like a like he's aged like a bag of milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I felt like you did, Gerald, and I was like, oh, interesting. Why did they do that? And then I uh, learned that there was a post-credits scene, oh. which uh, was a trailer for the prequel film. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And they're like, it's already shot. I'm like, wait, it's real? Yeah, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. So there's a trilogy there. That's cool. I mean, I, I think, honestly, the prequel will probably be better. Yeah, Might I don't be know. Better. I'm worried. I'm worried it's going to be too much. It could be. I mean, it was a hell of a good film, right? It was really, it was well-written, well-shot. I mean, the whole thing was, it was unique, very original. Well, it's also got a pretty funny premise uh, surrounded by like kind of grotesque gore. Yeah. So I feel like it's a pretty good, uh, I don't know, footnote for my outer demon. <laughs> my outer demon. <laughs> That's it. I love do. it. I'm just. I'm getting. I think I'm going to roll with that. If we do a sequel, it's going to be called My Outer Demon. There we go. That's just simple. love it. The one thing is though with this Inner Demon movie is, I don't want to. Uh, I don't really want to market it as a murder box sequel. Yeah. I'm trying to think about how to, because you know, uh, murder box and all. I like it and all, but not many people know about it. So it's like, I kind of just want this to go to be on its own. And then True. have people go and, and look for murder box later. But yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the marketing. So I want to release it fairly soon. It's just, you know, present it as a standalone movie. And then people are like, Oh wait, there's actually a murder box movie too. Oh cool. Let's go watch that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's already worked. I'm so right. Yeah. It did work. Yeah. I noticed that my murder box reviews went way up. Like so way more people have watched murder box since this uh, festival. And people are, have commented and stuff. I went and watched this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, Gerald. You. Thank you. Gerald, I don't know if you could tell, but we clearly just wanted to hang out with you today and, nice. uh, and tell you, like, My Inner Demon was great and we loved it. Thanks, and uh, we really appreciated you coming out and bringing a lady with you. You know, when you brought a lady friend, I was like, fuck, we lost Gerald. 
He's just going to be happy now and not need to make movies. <laughs> We're going to keep making movies for sure. She's a graphic designer too, so she can help me. Oh, perfect. She's an awesome graphic designer. Leanne. Yeah. She's an amazing graphic designer. Um, so that, that comes in handy when you're a filmmaker. See, Definitely. Russ, he just doubled down, baby. <laughs> That's Good. all I'm, he did. It warms my heart. Because I'm going to make more films. So. All right, because yeah. Gerald, we're not done with you yet. Good. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll come back. Every time I'm in that festival, I'll show up. Even if it's just for a short film, I'll show up no matter what. I love well, coming out there. It's so expensive, though. <laughs> it is. Why is it so expensive in San Dude. Francisco? Oh, and we God. live here. Oh my God! You live in San Fran, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. we like, live no, south of the city. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We well, must have good jobs because it <laughs> you must be well employed, well because holy shit! Do you guys work in the tech industry or something? I'm not going to. Fuck no. I, I do. Yeah. You do. Okay. Uh, tech. It tech adjacent. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm the happy one. That's why I have like a job where I just pack boxes all day and listen to podcasts, and <laughs> and I come home and I'm just I feel pretty good. Everybody else who's actually making money, mm-hmm. eh, they got some mental hurdles. <laughs> I bet they do. Here, Oksana, this is your favorite um, segment in the show where we complain about how much our rent is. Do you want to go ahead and uh, get on mic and <laughs> and mention how much a month? I mean, because so Clark does live here with me and Oksana. Oh, cool. Go ahead. And you want to, I mean, it takes three incomes. I'll just leave Go it ahead. at that. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to shock, you don't want to shock Gerald with the number. I'll um, do it. 30, Go for it. 3,800. 3,800. Yeah. For three, three bedrooms, 1,500 square foot condo. Oh, it's three bedrooms though. Three bedrooms, 1,500 square foot. Well, that's a, that's not bad if it's, that's, I mean, I heard that like a one bedroom in San Fran was like 3,300 or something. Oh, yeah. You could get a studio apartment in 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 San Francisco for probably the, more than we're paying for here. <laughs> uh, Fifty five hundred if you're on like a good street, and by good I mean like near Mission. Fifty five hundred right. a month. It's oh, like what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but again, Gerald, um, you know we're in a new condo. They actually bulldozed a well that harbored many uh, bodies of children who had uh, met an untimely demise. <laughs> We've been feeling the wrath of the ghost recently. Uh, they like to appear in um, an army of spiders. We deal. We call it Spider House often. Whoa. And uh, also, our concrete in front of our door was bubbling up once as uh, gas was trying to explode from an old pipe. So. You know, it's a little affordable <laughs> when you take into account all of the curses we deal with. Was there literally a bunch of children that died? Was that I lied? No. no. <laughs> okay. <exactly>. Unfortunately, <laughs> that was that was the only lie there. We are <laughs> constantly covered with spiders, uh, and the concrete did bubble up inside of our uh, in front of our house, and the whole street was evacuated. Damn, man. <laughs> Honestly, well, the well seems uh, easier to deal with. I, I love the city, though. I do. Like it is a cool ass city. Like I don't care what anyone says. San Fran is super cool. Pretty wicked. Pretty rad. Well, anything you want to bug Gerald about Clark? I feel like we've milked all this time from him. No, man. We just, we love you and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. And you, you always got a home here, baby. Right on. I also, love you guys. I seriously do. I love coming out and you guys are my friends. If I was, if I lived there, I, th- I feel like we'd hang out all the time. We'd watch movies, go to movies. Oh, yeah. I'd be one of the guys if I lived there. 
we we needed we needed you in our screening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you would have fit right in. Yeah, I'm glad you guys like it too. It just shows you're my kind of guys, you know. You like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You like that movie. Well, the fact that my favorite thing you said today is that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise is your Star Wars, <laughs> and th- and that's why we're family here, Gerald. I mean, maybe Evil Dead is, but that is too. But yeah. there's only like four of those. I know that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Gerald, we love you, man. Awesome talking to you guys. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.